Summer is absolutely in full swing. The days are long, the sunsets are gorgeous, the sunrise piercing through our bedroom blinds calling us to a day and the wafting smell of charcoal smoke through our neighborhoods calling us to dinner time. It's gotta be the best eating season of the year. Uh, if you're vegan or vegetarian, I apologize, but the, the, the drip of a perfectly grilled piece of meat alongside the steaming realities of a potato next to a broccoli covered in butter and goodness, I gotta go, it's time to eat. The, so much happens around food. The best meals are meant for relationship. When Kristen and I lived uh, out west, uh, we made our once annual pilgrimage to Frasier's, our favorite restaurant, combining perfectly fine dining with comfortable seating, the leather chairs so soft we could sit there for hours. I would order the seafood keppellini, angel hair-like pasta covered in cod or salmon, calamari, mussels, uh, dripped in a cream sauce that would keep you awake for hours, fresh baked bread beforehand and a glass of something perfect alongside of it. We would sit and we would talk, celebrated anniversaries two through ten there. So much happens around food. The best meals are meant for relationship. And today, there's a meal meant for relationship. You might want to hit pause now and go grab some bread and some wine or crackers and juice. Be ready to feast. We're only going to gather around one Bible verse today, a Bible verse about food. Uh, It's from Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. So much happens around food. The living Christ wants to be with you around the table. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into you and eat with you and you with me. Now, we're going to hover around that verse today, but I want you to listen to what surrounds it, a concerning question we have to contend with and a stunning promise offered to you. Listen to this. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You you say, I'm rich. I've prospered. I don't need anything. You do not realize you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire that you may be rich and white robes to wear so that the shame of your nakedness will not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. To the one who conquers, I will give a place next to me on my throne, just as I conquered and sat next to my father on his throne. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. After this, I looked, and there in heaven a door stood open. 
And the first voice I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there in heaven stood a throne with one seated on the throne. And the one seated there was like jasper and carnelian. Around the throne was something like a rainbow, like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders dressed in long robe with golden crowns on their heads. Coming from the throne were flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne were seven flaming torches, which are the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Around the throne... And on each side of the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with a face like a human face, the fourth living creature like a flying eagle. Each of them had six wings and were full of eyes all around and on the inside, day and night without ceasing, they sing, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And whenever the four living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the the 24 elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, singing, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive honor and glory and blessing, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Then I looked and I saw... In the right hand of the one seated on the throne, a scroll written on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I heard the loud voice of a mighty angel say, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and to look into it. No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was found worthy to open the scroll and to look into it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has conquered and he is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals. And then I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders a lamb standing as if it had been slaughtered with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. The lamb went to the one seated on the throne and took the scroll. And when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb with their harps and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to break its seals for you were slaughtered and by your blood you ransomed for God saints from every language and tribe and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests serving our God and they will reign on earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels And the four living creatures and the elders, they numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands singing a new song. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then I saw every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Revelation 3, verse 14 through the end of chapter 5. If you want to find it, 
in a Bible near you or the smartphone on you. That's the vision. That's the promise. That's the, the ongoing reality now that awaits our full participation soon. And it starts with a letter sent to Laodicea. The seventh of the seven letters contained in the book of Revelation, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And Laodicea receives the invitation meant for you to listen. Revelation 3.20, listen. I stand at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. So much happens around food. The best meals are meant for relationship. Before the invitation, though, is a concerning question we have to contend with. Will this be true of us? The question will make sense in a minute. Will this be true of us? Of the seven churches, Laodicea gets the harshest rebuke. There's no mention of heresy running up and down the aisles of the Laodicean church. There's no mention of persecution and oppression pushing on them. There's no mention of division in their midst. It's complacency. It's lukewarm, anemic Christianity. They get the harshest rebuke. Will this be true of us? I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich. I've prospered. I don't need anything. Ouch. Jesus laying in to the Laodicean Christians. Laodicea was a banking center, money flowing in and out of Laodicea, investors and bankers, architects building big buildings, with all, beautiful marble buildings with all of that money, and engineers and urban planners making the city work just so. It was a banking center. It was a manufacturing center. It manufactured clothing, carpet, cloth, peddlers from all over the world peddling their wares to make a life, and they were making a good life. It was a banking center. It was a manufacturing center. It was a medical center. There was a medical school in Laodicea. The brightest of the brightest, the healers of healers, went to Laodicea. Our modern symbol for medicine is taken from Laodicea. The Greek god Asclepius had a rod with a serpent around the rod. Uh, Here's a picture just to show you, all the way from Laodicea. And this is what Jesus says to them. I counsel you to buy from me gold banking center, refined by fire that you may be rich, and white robes to wear cloth manufacturing center to cover the shame of your nakedness and salve to anoint your eyes medical center so that you may see. It's an invitation for us to be honest about the ways we place our dependencies in our prosperities. We take refuge in our accumulations. We put our heart's hope in what we have. It's not just about money, and it's not just about business, and it's not just about medicine. We, we find a way to do it with everything. 
I'm rich. I've prospered. I don't need anything. It's a relationship. I don't need anything. I've got a partner. It's, it's a job. I, I don't need anything. I've got a paycheck. It's a family. I don't need anything. I've got a people. We're so quick to place our dependencies and our heart's hopes in the things we have and the things we accumulate. And Jesus says, be earnest, therefore, and repent. Uh, John Stott, in a book titled What Christ Thinks of the Church, puts it like this. Perhaps none of the seven letters is more appropriate to the church of the 21st century than this. It describes vividly the respectable, nominal, rather sentimental, skin-deep religiosity which is so widespread among us today. Our Christianity is flabby and anemic. Like the Laodiceans, we appear to have taken a lukewarm bath of religion. Will this be true of us? Will that be true of us? The invitation is to reorient our dependencies on all of the things we accumulate back toward the living God. And has the last 15 months not been an invitation to reorient our dependencies? Out of nowhere, all of a sudden, we're met with the reality. It is out of our control. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how, much, how many degrees you've got or how many people you know. So the song of our lives for the last 15 months. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He is my rock and my fortress, my salvation. I shall never be shaken. If your heart's hope is in what you have, you will be shaken. If your heart's hope is in the relationship you nurture, you will be shaken. If your heart's hope is anywhere other than the living God, you will be shaken. And the antidote to our complacencies and our lukewarm, anemic Christianity is not false suffering, acting like we have it harder than we do, but rather an actual awareness of our utter dependence on God and orienting our life towards his person and his purposes in the world. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Will this be true of us? Is this true of us? Will we go the way of Laodicea, complacent, lukewarm, flabby, anemic Christianity that goes through the motions and retains the title but isn't animated by the center of the universe, Jesus Christ himself? Now, fascinatingly, the, the rebuke gives way to the invitation. Listen. I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice, this is Revelation 3.20, if you hear my voice, this is our verse, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. Far from an angry God who's so disgusted with you, he just can't wait to punish you. Rather, we get a, a risen Christ who wants to be with you. With, maybe that's the best four-letter word in the gospel, with. The, the very beginning, after God made everything and announced it's very good, Adam and Eve, they eat of the fruit they were told not to touch, and the world is sent spiraling into chaos, and the first words out of God's mouth, where are you? In other words, I want to be with you, with. And then finally, when God's heart of love was so full, 
He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take on what we are so we could be like he is. He went to the cross to forgive us, forgive us in our lukewarm, complacent, flabby, anemic reality of faith. He went to the grave to defeat sin and death and rose up victorious in resurrection so that you can have full animated life and he sends a spirit still to be with us, with. This is why Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. It's why he says of the little ones, let the little ones come to me for to such as these belongs the kingdom of heaven. This is why St. John, later in the book of Revelation, would see, see the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. With. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. Evangelists have been using our verse all across stadiums around the world calling people to faith, and I suppose it's appropriate, but I want you to notice this invitation is sent to the church. This invitation is sent to the people in the pews whose eyes have been dulled and hearts have been muted by the concerns of a world and the anxieties of life and the accumulations that they've accumulated. Now, to be fair, it's not the prosperity that Jesus critiques. Prosperity became the conditions for the critique, the complacency and the lukewarm, flabby Christianity. And Jesus says, listen, he wants to be with you. He wants to be with you here, now. He wants to eat with you. So much happens around food. The best meals are meant for relationship. I was sitting on the lawn earlier this week, I think it was Tuesday morning, I was actually working on this sermon. One of you drove by, stopped your car, walked across the street, and we had a delightful conversation for four or five minutes. Life and family, we talked about our Father's Day celebrations and, of course, the food we enjoyed around it. He remembered the men's gathering from a few months ago when Chuck DeGroat joined us. And Chuck made this offhanded comment that my friend took to heart. What would happen if the church was as animated by the Holy Trinity as it is by masks? My friend took those words to heart and has been contemplating them for weeks now. He, he wasn't critiquing masks. He was critiquing complacency. What, if, what would happen if the church was as animated by the Holy Trinity as it is by masks or whatever else that animates you? Listen. Jesus says, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. And if you open the door, if you, if you enter in, you're launched into this glorious reality that Revelation 4 and 5 imagines for us. You can argue about this over, over your meal later today, but I would contend the Laodicean Christians woke up. They opened the door. Revelation 3 ends, I stand at the door knocking, and Revelation 4 begins, then I saw in heaven a door standing open. It seems to me they opened the door, and they saw the throne with one seated on the throne, and the creatures, and the elders, and, and the angels, and people from every language and tribe and nation, all singing, worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. They were launched into a newer reality, a vibrant life where God is at the center, where God is and Christ reigns. Preoccupied, are you, with all of the political turmoil 
John announces an ongoing reality where there is a throne and one seated on the throne and the one seated on the throne, according to the psalmist, laughs. He who sits in the heavens laughs. Insecure about who you are and who you're not. John sees an ongoing reality where your life has been ransomed by the Lamb for God. You belong to Christ. Overwhelmed by the pain and the hurt in life, John sees an ongoing reality where elders reach out hands and say, Do not weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. Caught in the angry crosshairs of conversations around racial justice, John sees an ongoing reality where people from every language and tribe and nation all gather around the throne. Open the door. Enter in to this better reality that is ongoing now, even if we anticipate it fully soon. You've heard me talking this way for the last, I don't know, while at least, at least talking around the edges of it. The Spirit of God has been pressing on my heart. I think I can say it that confidently. The Spirit of God has been pressing on my heart the stunning opportunity that stands before the church. For the last 15 months, all of the accountability of the monotony of Christian tradition has been taken away. And you are invited to reprioritize where faith is in your life. Just going to church, what, we locked the doors. It wasn't an option anymore. Maybe you dial into a devotional, and if you're listening to this, clearly you dialed into the online service. And some took advantage of the invitation, and others didn't. And some won't, but all of us here, all of us now, are invited by the living Christ. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. And when you open the door, you're launched into a better, deeper, more beautiful whole life. Uh, C.S. Lewis, you know this, these lines, puts it so beautifully. Look for yourself, and you'll find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you'll find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, this is an altar call. Uh, if you are not a Christian but something about the tender voice of Jesus has stirred in your spirit, I want you to find a piece of bread and I want you to get some wine or juice and I want you to eat and drink and then find me later a first step in Christ, in faith. But remember, it's not, the, the verse is not just for those who wouldn't call themselves Christians. It's for Christians who have found themselves asleep who have found themselves going through the motions, who like the title but are not animated by Jesus, who could be described as complacent, lukewarm, flabby, anemic. The invitation is for you. If you're hearing the Spirit of Jesus Christ talking to you today, I want you to find a piece of bread and a cup of wine or juice, and I want you to eat and drink. So much happens around food. The best meals are meant for relationship. Out of complacency today, friends, out of lukewarm, out of flabby and anemic, into the full, thriving, whole life Christ intends for you, open the door. 
In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.